Romans chapter number one this morning. Um, would invite you to stand with me out of respect for the word of God. Romans chapter number one. And we're going to read one verse this morning. Romans chapter one, verse number 20. Romans chapter one and verse number 20. And uh, I love, uh, love the word of God. Love to uh, see how it helps me and uh, grows me and teaches me. Uh, if you don't get into the Word of God on a daily basis, uh, let me encourage you to do so. You don't know what you're missing. Um, having that walk with God and letting Him speak to you through His Word daily is something that every one of us need. It's not something that we need just on Sundays or just on Wednesdays. We need it on a daily basis. And uh, so we are thrilled that you're here today. But let me encourage you to get into the Bible uh, for yourself each and every day. Romans chapter number 1 and verse number 20, the Bible says this, For the invisible things of Him... From the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are, that, that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So that they are without excuse. I want you to see that phrase there at the last of that verse, so that they are without excuse. And I'm going to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Some Things There's No Excuse For, or No Excuses. No excuses. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house this morning. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch this morning. Lord, there's uh, discouraging times uh, about us right now. Different people that are sick, uh, families that have uh, left because of moving and different things like that. Lord, I just pray that you'll help us to stay steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord. Lord, may we not get discouraged and understand that uh, the ministry is not about us. It's all about you. And uh, Lord, as we continue to try to be a lighthouse in this area, Lord, may we uh, just uh, proclaim your word and stand for you and uh, just follow you and live holy, righteously, and godly in this present world. Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, we'll give you the praise and glory and honor for all that's said and done. May we leave here encouraged today uh, with no excuses in our heart and mind for not serving you. And Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I was looking up in the dictionary this week on the word excuse, and it says, it is a reason, real or pretend, that is given. A reason for something. We try to reason things away. We make excuses for things, and it's whether it's a real reason or whether it's a, a made-up reason, uh, sometimes we have an excuse for why uh, we did something or why we weren't there. I remember even in school there was times if you missed school, you had to come back and you had to have an excuse for why you were gone. And it was a legitimate excuse or it was an excuse that my dog ate my homework and I couldn't come. Whatever the reason was that you made up, Martians stole this and I couldn't come that day. You had to give a reason for why uh, you missed or why you weren't there and all of those things. Well, this passage of Scripture, at the last of this verse, said so that they are without excuse. And you know, there's excuses all over, whether real or not, that we make oftentimes in the work of the Lord. We don't like to make excuses for uh, missing work and things for the Lord. And I want to share some things with you about that this, this morning. But there are many excuses given for many things. Uh, there are some, though, that will not talk about this morning. We're not going to entertain a lot of these excuses. I'm not going to go through a lot of this stuff, but there are a few excuse, excuses and there are some excuses which we are going to talk about this morning that there's no excuse for. Some things we make excuses about that there's no excuse really for. We try to reason it. We try to say, well, this is the reason why, 
But there is really no excuse for certain things we're going to talk about this morning. And I was going through this passage. I actually was going to preach something totally different this morning out of the book of Matthew. I was going to preach a message about in those days how they, uh, John the Baptist used to preach. I might preach that next Sunday if God gives me liberty on that. But as I was doing my uh, daily studies and my reading, just this verse kept coming out of the pages at me. And when God does those things, you need to pay attention to it. Uh, when you're studying and you're reading some things and God starts trying to illuminate some things to you, you better start paying attention when God brings a verse to your mind or to your heart. And as I was reading through this passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 1, and I uh, was going down through and I, I was looking at verse 18. It said, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth of righteous, uh, in righteousness, because that which uh, may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has shown unto them and then I was thinking well how did he show it to us he said from the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse and I thought you know what there's a lot of things we make excuses for that God makes very clear that we ought not to make excuse about it that there's no excuse for certain things and firstly this morning I want you to understand there's no excuse for a doomed soul there's no excuse for a doomed soul. A lot of people try to give excuses. They try to say, well, God could never love me, or God would never take me, or I'm just doomed to go to hell because of the way I've lived and the things I've done. And they try to say, well, people just don't understand where I come from and this, that, and the other. Well, I'm here to tell you today, God knows exactly where you came from. You came from the same place all of us did, and we're all sinners according to the Bible. Every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we need to understand that there's no excuse for a doomed soul. Why is this? Look at our text again even creation forbids excuse of you going to hell look what it says for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the thing which are made even his eternal power and godhead so that they are without excuse what it's saying is this you shouldn't say there's no way to go to heaven because even creation lets you know that there is a god there is a creator there is one that made all things from the very beginning he made them in his image and he made man in his image and we go back to the bible it said even creation speaks about the lord there's no excuse for somebody uh, going to hell. So why, why should we have no excuse for it? Because creation forbids this excuse. Not only does creation forbid it, but grace forbids it. Grace forbids excuse. Look at it in Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. Hope you don't mind using your Bibles this morning. Titus chapter number 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2 verse number 11... For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto some people. Is that what it says? No, it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. Creation forbids excuse for you dying and going to hell because it speaks of the eternal power in Godhead. It, it speaks of there is a God, there is a creator, there is one that is out there that can uh, save your never dying soul, that can, that can take you from the charred walls of hell and place your feet upon a rock and establish your going and put a new song in your heart, even praise unto your God. There is a God that can do that and creation speaks about it, but grace says it too. Grace says that the grace of God that appeareth unto all men, that appeareth unto all men. You know what? I'm glad for the grace of God. Amen. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, 
And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing that you can do or that I can do to earn salvation in and of my own merit, but only what Jesus Christ has done, his finished work, his death, burial, and resurrection on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way for us to go to heaven. In John 14, 6, Jesus saying to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what? You can't go to heaven any other way but Jesus. And if you try to make excuses for why you're not going to heaven, or maybe I've got plenty of time in my life, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. The Bible says life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. There's not a person in this room today that's guaranteed that you're going to open your eyes in physical life tomorrow. You might open them in eternal life. And it's either going to be an eternity in heaven or it's going to be eternal death in hell. So you're going to open your eyes one way or another tomorrow, whether spiritually or physically. But if you don't open them physically, there's only one way that you can make sure that you're going to open them unto eternal life. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it's through eternal death. See, there's no excuse for a doomed soul. Why? Because creation forbids it. Because grace forbids it. Look at Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. We're always good at reading verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And we usually touch on that runway, and we stop right there. But there's another verse right after that. Look what it says in verse number 3. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God. God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Listen, not only does grace forbid excuse, but faith forbids excuse. God gives us faith. We ought to have faith, for without faith it's impossible to please God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so if we don't have the word of God, and we don't have the hearing from the word of God, it's, hardly, it's impossible for us to please God and be saved, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourself. Listen, we've got to have faith. Faith forbids excuse. Acts chapter 2. Turn there quickly. Acts chapter 2. Starting in verse number 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in, in the one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. See, as they're going through, what are they preaching? They're preaching the gospel. They were preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. The Spirit of God was upon them. They were preaching this thing. So creation was forbidding excuse, and grace forbids it, and faith forbids it, but the gospel forbids excuse. The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was not set for just an elect group of people. Look what it says. It says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation 
under heaven. You know what the gospel was doing? The gospel was reaching down where people didn't think they could be reached. The gospel was spreading out. He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said, uh, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always. He tells them to go to Jerusalem and Judea. Remember Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me where? Just here in Jerusalem? No, he was saying the gospel forbids any excuse of anybody anywhere because it says in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He's saying, listen, that doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. It doesn't matter if you come from the slums or you come from the, the penthouse. You're still important to God. And he loves you and the gospel forbids excuse. You can't have an excuse for a doomed soul. Listen, if you die and go to hell today, if a man goes to hell, he must do it when he stumbles over the cross. Because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We don't have a God that's up there waiting to burn people forever in a place called hell. We have a God up there willing to save anybody out of that place called hell. Because he experienced hell for me, and he experienced hell for you. And what you have to understand today is God doesn't want anybody to die and go to that awful place. If you die and go to hell, you're going to stumble over the cross and tear away from the Holy Spirit and reject the Word of God. In spite of the prayer of the saints that are praying for you to be saved, listen, and and a God that's up there wanting you to be saved and drawing you to himself. You have to stumble over all of that if you die and go to hell today. The fact that you're here in this room this morning shows that God cares about you and he wants you to get the gospel. If you're lost in this room today, there's no excuse that you can make other than you reject the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't go to hell and say, God, listen, I have an excuse for why I didn't get saved that day. He's going to say there is no excuse. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. You can't make excuses on why you're not going to heaven. You can't make excuses on any of that other than the fact that you chose not to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. But you know what? God wants you to be saved. You say, I didn't think a loving God would ever burn anybody in hell forever. Listen, a loving God would give you a way out. And he did that through Jesus Christ, his son. And it's not limited to your social standing or your bank account. It's limited to all those that were sinners. And guess what? Every one of us qualify. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's no excuse for a doomed soul. Secondly, this morning, there's no excuse for a defeated life. There's no excuse for a defeated life. Look at Revelation chapter number 12. You say, preacher, I'm just defeated. I'm just down and out. I just don't understand why I, I just can't get victory on the, on, on the top side. And we live a defeated life. Listen, there's times people in our lives come and people in our lives go. And there's times that we have all of this stuff happening around us. And we think, well, I'm just about ready to quit. I'm about ready to be done. I, I'm going to throw in the towel because I'm just defeated and there's no way that I can win. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, look what it says. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. So why can we have victory this morning? 
Why, can we, why is there no excuse for a defeated life? Because if you're saved in this room this morning, we have victory through the blood of the Lamb of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in the one who is victorious, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to live a defeated life. We don't have to walk around defeated all the time because we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to live in in this defeated type mindset where there's no way I can get out. It said, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. I thought about that day that I got saved, man. That day Jesus took that blood and it was on the mercy seat in heaven. And when he wrote my name down in the Lamb's book of life and it was sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, I thought, you know what? There's victory in Jesus that day. And I can rejoice today and, and, have, and, and find, even in discouraging times, I can find victory and not defeat because of the blood of the Lamb we can overcome Him. There's no excuse for a defeated life. Look at 1 John chapter number 5. 1 John chapter number 5. First John chapter number five. I just like the Bible, so we're going to jump up to verse number one. First John chapter five, verse one. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. That is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ. Not by water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Listen, we have victory in Jesus. I love that song. I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. How he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Sing this part with me. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. Listen, because of the blood of the Lamb, we don't have to live a defeated life. Because of Jesus, we don't have to live a defeated life. We can have victory, be on the top side. You say, yeah, but I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He said, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Listen, he's with us all the time. Promise never to leave us nor forsake us. When the storms of this life come around, when it seems like our world's getting turned upside down, it seems like we're ready to wave that white flag of surrender. Man, we're grabbing it and we're just saying, Lord, I'm done. Lord, there's no way I can do this. He said, let me tell you about the one who can't overcome. Let me tell you about the one that if you'll follow close enough to him, guess what? You're going to get victory. You're going to be on top side with Jesus. Even though you're going through deep water, God's not trying to drown you. He's trying to cleanse you and help you to be right and do the right thing. There's some things there's no excuse for. There's no excuse for a doomed soul. There's no excuse for a defeated life. 
Thirdly, this morning, there's no excuse for a disturbed mind. You say, what are you talking about? The things that you think that go through your mind and through your heart. There's no excuse for a disturbed mind. Why? Look at Isaiah chapter number 26. Isaiah chapter number 26. Say, well, I just, I've got such, I'm just so disturbed in my thoughts, preacher. I'm just, I'm just so disturbed in the things that I think about. In Isaiah 26, the Bible says in verse number 3, look what it says. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusted in thee. You know why we have a disturbed mind? Because we're not trusting in the Lord. We have a disturbed mind because it says this. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. See, when we go through and we think about oftentimes we're allowing our mind to focus on our circumstance. We're allowing our minds to focus on the storm around us. But you remember in the Bible it says whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report. And there's more of it that says, but if, if there be any mercy, if there be any praise, think on these things. We're supposed to think on good, good things. We can help control our mind if we just focus on Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2, he said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. In Romans 12, verse 2, where he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This verse in Isaiah 26, verse 3, guarantees a peaceful mind to all who constantly think of Jesus. When you start getting discouraged... And your mind's starting to get disturbed. Man, you just start thinking about Jesus and what he did for you. Think about that day that he was hanging on an old rugged tree. And the reason he was doing it, he said, listen, not my will, but thine be done in the garden of Gethsemane. He's hanging on the cross. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. And he did it for me. You know what? As I think about that, man, all the disturbing thoughts go away. All those things on the side go away. And I just think about the love of Jesus Christ and how much he loved me. There's no excuse for a disturbed mind. There are more religious people in mental institutions today than ever before. There's people that have gone to church since they were babies. They're now in mental institutions because they're just crazy in their mind. And we think, how in the world could they ever get that way? I'll tell you why. Their mind wasn't stayed on Jesus. That's why it's so important for you to get into the Word of God. It's so important for you to allow the Word of God to so penetrate your heart and mind on a daily basis. Because when we dwell on the things of God, we don't dwell on the things of the world. When we focus on the things of the Lord, now listen, does that mean that it's not going to seem like life picks us up and slams us against the ground and it seems like our world's turning upside down, but that's where he giveth more grace and he says, listen, I'm with you always and we can trust in Jesus and not dwell on the circumstance and think on these things and we ought to think on the right things and the things of God. We look at that verse, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. Listen, my mind, as I was reading this verse, Miss Alice, my mind went to you this week. Thinking about all the years you were with Brother Jerry. How can you have a peace in your mind? Is have it on Christ, knowing that he's in heaven. And you're going to see him again. And we can rejoice in that. Listen, other than that, guess what? She'd be so disturbed in her mind. If you're married to that man for 60-some years, 
of course you think, whoa, what in the world's going on? Why is, why is my life being turned upside down? Why is the one I, I lived with all these years gone now? Listen, we can say, listen, he's not gone. He's just waiting in heaven for you to come and join him there with Jesus. And he, we can be rejoicing in the fact today that he knew he was on his way to heaven. This wasn't his home. He was just a passing through. He's in heaven today. And instead of having a disturbed mind for why we have this, think on the things of God and say, listen, I'm coming again. And I'll, I'll see him there when, when I get to heaven, when the Lord comes back. Or when I close my eyes in physical death, I can go to heaven because I trusted Jesus as my Savior. Listen, there's no excuse for a disturbed mind. We, we can say, Lord, why did you let my loved one have that disease or that illness? And we can get mad at God and we can say, God, why are you allowing these things? Maybe God's just putting you through a test to show you that he's with you through it all. And sometimes God has plans that he doesn't even tell you why. But it says, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. I know when Brother Scott was going through what Brother Scott was going through recently, the question is why? Why does he have to go through all this? But you know what? He's sitting here today as a testimony of what prayer does and how, prayer, how God answers prayers and what a testimony it is to those doctors to see how, what a turnaround took place in that. You know what? God does some miraculous things. We just got to keep our minds on God, keep our trust in him. There's no excuse for a doomed soul. There's no excuse for a defeated life. There's no excuse for a disturbed mind. There's no excuse next for a divided house. There's no excuse for a divided house. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at verse 1 down through verse number 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, and with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Look also at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Verse 10. Look what it says, starting there. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all of these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let them think it that he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will also with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye are able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. You know what he's saying is there starts a murmuring and a complaining and all of these things. And he's talking about how they murmured and they began to get divided. And he said, but listen, if you think about this, there's one body, one faith, one baptism, one God, 
and father of all. What he's trying to tell you is this. Listen, there's no excuse for a divided house because the divided house comes when we start thinking inwardly rather than upwardly. A divided house comes when we start thinking about what we want, what we think, and what we feel rather than what God wants, what God thinks, and what God feels. If you care more about what God wants, what God thinks, and what God feels, you're not really concerned about what you want, what you think, and what you feel. And where we have a lot of times in a divided home are people that don't have the same mind for the things of God. This is true both in the house in which you live and the house of worship that you attend, the church that you go to. There's never been a home or a church that had trouble where the people prayed together and sought the will of the Lord together and had their mind focused on the things of God rather than on the things of self. Most of the time when the divided house happens, it's because we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. We start putting ourselves on a pedestal. This is what you need to do for me. Or this is what the church has to do for me. Rather than, God, what would you have me to do? See, it's hard to be divided and have, uni- and have a disunity when it's all about what God wants. Not about what we want. Listen, there's times in our life where we trust more in people than we do in God. And listen, church, I'm here to tell you that's going to cause a dividing. Because when you start trusting more in people than you do in God, people are going to let you down and then you're going to get divided. But when you start trusting in God, He's never going to let you down. He's always going to uphold His end of the deal. He's always going to keep His promises. He's always going to be there with you. He's always going to do right. There's no way that you can be defeated in it because you just think of the victory that He has. And if you just focus on, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? It's not about what I want, what I think, and what I feel. It's all about God. And that's why they could all be in one accord, in one mind, and all of that. Because you know what? I I got to learning something about the ministry, Brother Eddie. When you get a bunch of people together, you have a bunch of different opinions. When you have a bunch of different opinions, and we start getting upset and uptight about these things, because we're not getting our way. And those little kids, you know how they don't get their way in it? They stomp their foot, because that's not what I want to do. We have a lot of spiritual babies that go, when we don't get our way, Because it's more about what we want rather than what God wants. God, I can't believe you would want me to go out and talk to somebody about the Lord. God, that's just not fair that you want me to to be dedicated to the house of God. I have other things to do. And we have our mindset on these things and we get in our life and we become divided. Or sometimes we're not really focusing on the Lord in our own study. We're maybe even focusing on the preacher. We're trusting in the preacher's stand. And hey, I want to cling to his shirt tails. And as long as the preacher's doing right, things are going well. Things are going right. But if a man makes a mistake, guess what? We're just going to throw in the towel. That's just the way it always is. Listen, God is true all the time. People are going to let you down. Listen, I got a newsflash for you. I'm flesh just like you are. There's going to be times that your pastor doesn't always make the right decision. But you need to focus on the things of God. You need to look to the Word of God and say, listen, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the Word of our God just stand forever. God's going to do right, be right, is right all the time. And if I just trust in God, I don't have to be defeated. I don't have to be divided in my home. Guess what? My wife and I are on the same page when we both fix our minds on Christ. Listen, if you have one that's fixing their mind on Christ and one who's not, you have a divided house. When you have a church that some people are divided on this or divided on that, they're thinking more about what they want rather than what God wants, guess what? You have division in the church and discord in the church. But you can't have discord when you're thinking on heavenly things, when you're thinking on the, the Lord. Because guess what? He has one goal, to draw all men unto himself. That's God's goal, is that I know him 
and that you know him. And the person down the road knows him. And all those in every continent across this world know him. That's what God wants. And we have to just understand it's not about us. It's all about him. A house divided against itself will not stand. Well, what happens when we're divided? It's because we think inwardly rather than upwardly. Start thinking of heavenly things. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. You know what? There's times, Brother Nick, I get discouraged because I start thinking inwardly. Well, what, what's wrong? What's going on? Why is this happening? Or why am I doing this? Or why am I doing that? You know what? I need to th- throw all that aside and say, listen, things are going to happen. Situations are going to come. I need to think on heavenly things. I need to think on the things above, on what God has for me. We can stay unified. The Bible says that they were in one accord and in one mind. How does a group of people in a church have one mind? It's to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. There's no excuse for a divided house. Lastly, this morning, there's no excuse for a destitute church. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. Flip over one page. Ephesians 5. Look at verse 18. Down through verse number 21. It says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Listen, God admonishes us in these verses to be filled with the Spirit. You know, you cannot be destitute when you're filled with the Spirit. Because not one time did an earthly church fail when they were filled with the Spirit of God. When they were filled with God's Spirit, they couldn't fail. Why? Because they weren't built on themselves. Listen, we build... When, when, when he told Peter, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I know, Brother Scott, he was saying, Peter, you're so strong that hell can't even defeat you. Not what he was saying. What he was saying is this. If you build a, a ministry on me, it's going to stand forever. If you build a church on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, upon this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, the only thing that's going to defeat Faith Baptist Church is the people inside of it, allowing Satan to defeat you. And you get destitute in your heart and in your mind. You don't allow the Spirit of God to fill you. You say, well, I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And preacher, you said, when I got saved, I'm as full of the Holy Spirit as I'm ever going to be. Listen, no, you got as much of the Holy Spirit as you're ever going to get. But if you don't stir up that gift that's inside of you and let it overflow and bubble out of you, nobody else is going to experience what you got to experience. you got to let it flow out to other people. you got to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. There's a quote that I read that says, Your absence from church is a vote to close the door. You say, is it really that serious, preacher? Yes, it's that serious. 
He loved the church and he gave himself for it. We say, well, preacher, all I'm going to do is I'm just going to sit at home. Listen, you don't need to sit at home when you can come and worship together with brothers and sisters in Christ and be encouraged in the things of God and be filled. It said they all came together and were one accord and one mind. You know what? There's people I come to church just so you understand. I came to church this morning discouraged. I did. I came to church this morning discouraged. But you know what? I got to talk with brothers in Christ. I got to pray with brothers in Christ. I got to go through and, and just share some, my heart with some people. And they shared their heart with me and just got to encourage each other in the things of God. And listen, when we come together and we have one mind and we're, we're, we're allowing the Spirit of God to so uh, infiltrate our hearts and our minds and we're just overflowing with the Spirit of God, it's hard to stay in a down state. You get picked up because He's the one that picks us up. You know, I came to church this morning discouraged. But I'm pretty encouraged now because as I read through the word of God and as I go through and I think about Jesus and all he's done for me, my heart gets lifted up. There was a song I heard that he lifted me up, yes, up, up from the miry clay. He lifted me up, yes, up to walk the narrow way. He lifted me up, yes, up to walk through heaven's shore. He lifted me up, yes, up to live forevermore. You know what? We can rejoice today. We don't have to be defeated. We don't have to be disturbed in our mind. We don't have to have a divided house or a destitute church. But listen, you don't have to have a doomed soul today. If you're here, you can go to heaven. He wants you to be saved. I don't care what you've done, where you've come from, how wicked you think your life is. One drop of blood could cleanse you from all sin. Why? Because he lived sinless upon this earth. He lived and he took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. He suffered that penalty, that wage of sin that you and I deserved. He conquered that death, hell, and the grave and offers life to anyone who will freely receive it. And listen, you can be saved today. Your destination, your eternal destination can be changed. Old things can be passed away. Oh, behold, all things can become new in Christ. Won't you trust him today? See, there's no excuse for you to die and go to hell. You can't stand before God and reason your way out. You're either saved or you're lost. You either accept him or you reject him. There's no excuse. But there's no excuse for a defeated life because we have victory in Jesus. And church, listen, there's going to be some discouraging times that come. But let me encourage you in this. It's all about him. It's not about us. You just stay faithful to what God has for you. And guess what? He blesses faithfulness. He blesses faithfulness. With our heads bowed and eyes closed.